0: Translating that into saying, because I'm worthy, I'm going to stay clean. Because I'm worthy, I'm going to continue to work on my spirituality component. I'm going to continue to work on my physical health. I'm going to continue to challenge myself, even in those moments to where life doesn't seem that great.
1: This is my
0: comeback story.
1: This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. We're live. Very excited to be back with you guys this morning. I am here with one of the most talented people that I know, Mary Brooks. She is the clinical director. She's an LCSW for Good Landing Recovery. And her ability to be able to reach people, to help those who are struggling uh, with addiction and trying to walk through all of the the trials and all of the the things that prevent somebody from walking into a life of recovery, she is one of the best, an invaluable member of our team. And today, we're just going to talk about the clinical side. and and, it, and it's and it's an important part that I think that is so often neglected um, in in a lot of programs. You know when when somebody says, treatment or I'm going to rehab, you know, you think that that would sort of speak to a to a certain approach. But within that, there's so many different varieties. And, you know, we see, you know, certain programs who uh, really have no regard for the clinical side that, you know, maybe a program where somebody gets up in the morning and they do a Bible study and then they work them the rest of the day. Or it could be um, some type of approach that it, it is more medical and they give no attention uh, to the clinical side, to walk somebody through all of the issues in their life. And one thing that we know and one of the first things that I heard whenever I went to treatment for the first time is is that the, the drugs is just is, is really a, a small part of the problem. The reality is, is that the drugs are just a manifestation of faulty paradigms and uh, faulty belief systems that people have about themselves and about God and about how the world is supposed to work. And so Mary helps navigate all of that and she is passionate about what she's done. She's been in the, the, the field now for years. And Mary, if you would talk with us this morning about why you do what you do.
0: Thanks, Trey, for that lovely introduction here. As you said, I've been in the field for several years now. My passion for substance abuse probably really started about six years ago. And, you know, as a therapist, when you're in school, usually there's these populations where you're like, okay, I would work there, but I'm not going to work over here. And I was always apprehensive about working in the substance abuse field. And, And it really came down to the fact that I do have a lot of family history with substance abuse. I am the product of a mother who struggled with substance abuse and subsequently lost her life in that lifestyle. So for me growing up, I was like, ooh, that's a little bit touchy. You know, we talk about countertransference and it was always a population that I didn't think I was going to touch on, but just you know going into the therapy world and working with different you know I worked in the prison systems I worked with children I worked with custody cases I worked in major mental illness facilities and something that always seemed to be a theme you know even in eating disorders was this topic of addiction so I was naturally getting exposed to addiction in all of the different populations I was like okay I got offered my first substance abuse group and it was, very, it was very scary for me because I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to be experiencing. Am I going to connect too much? What's going to happen? And I found that it was a population that I, I really love to work with because it's an amazing thing when you can see a client come in at one of the lowest points in their life and you kind of follow them through their journey, follow them through their progress to kind of see that light change or even that light turn on that maybe they haven't seen in a while. So starting with one of my first substance abuse groups, I moved up in the field, and then I took on a, a therapy role to be a primary therapist. And then from there, I moved into more of a program director role, and then eventually all the way up to a clinical director role, which is what I have been doing for the last several years. And it completely changed my, my concept and my mindset around what it was to treat addiction. Um, A lot of times we have this view of like what addiction is. And if you, you know, you did a poll and you asked different people, like, what do you think addiction is? Why do you think people use drugs? You're going to get a lot of different responses. Some people are saying, oh, you know, they just want to have fun. They like to party. Some people say, you know, they're irresponsible. Um, You're going to get a lot of different responses. And with my work with different clients, um, I saw that there is no real face to what drug addiction is or to what a typical client is. You know, you are going to have a client that comes in and maybe, you know, they're adolescent, 12 years old, and they were exposed at school and they had a lot of family issues going on and that just became the natural path to them out. Or you have this big executive of a of a Fortune 500 company and they don't know how to deal with the stress of all the responsibilities and the people looking at them and all the things that they have to deal with. Or you have a stay at home mom who is bored, lost her purpose, doesn't really know what is going on. So she starts to turn to drinking or using as a way to kind of numb out from that lack of purpose. Um, And that has really been something that I have explored is like there is no face and how do you treat a client when there is no formula to what this client is going to bring to the table. And I realize it's just really about meeting that client where they are, and uh, really focusing on not the drug so much as what is that underneath issue, what is the underneath reason on why drugs became a solution.
1: That gives such a a good picture, and and why you, you're so valuable because you understand that. I know that you you really briefly touched on on your why having a a mother who was. That lost her life, you know, while in the midst of active addiction. From there, you know, it seems like a, a real passion that has been birthed to to help people and to be able to speak into their lives. And and you're gifted at it. Um, that's one thing that that I've noticed too. Just while we've you know really over the last year, if we we've had the chance to to work very closely together, and to see your willingness to to be able to help, to be able to to do good work that that gets good results. And then also being available to the client or to the mission no matter what time it is, and to balance all those so well. You know, as far as different approaches to treatment, and you know, as parents uh, or loved ones are looking for a safe place, we realize that not all treatment centers are created equal. And there's just so many options that are out there, and nobody really thinks about this stuff until they're in the middle of crisis mode. Um, is there anything that, that you can give to to loved ones who are, are looking for a, a safe place and, and really what that process needs to look like?
0: Yes, of course. Um, the process of picking a treatment facility, it can... Um It is a very important one. I think that, like you said, not every treatment facility is created equally, you know, this concept of treatment. And I think that if you're looking for a sound program, something that I would send my family members to, and it's really encompassing. It it takes this whole holistic, whole health approach. And some of the things that I think are very important is what we touched on is, is the clinical aspect. Working in different treatment facilities over my career, that is usually supposed to be the basis. Sometimes there's an influence on that. Sometimes it's not. Um, but I do think that is one of the integral components of treatment is that clinical approach. And what do you use to really work with a client into helping them navigate some of the issues, maybe some trauma, maybe, um, just some mental health. What are the ways that we can navigate them through these things to learn how to manage in a more appropriate way? Um, I think the social aspect as well is an important thing. I think a lot of people forget that after you leave treatment, you have to continue to live life. And social is a very important part of that. Like, how do I go back and interact with people? How do I learn how to navigate this, you know, new path without the use of substances? Because sometimes, you know, social social use is a thing. So we don't want to forget about having fun in recovery and having fun once you leave uh, treatment and experiencing that. I think the whole body approach with the physical health and um, nutrition is important as well. When you feel good on the inside out, it translates and you're going you're not gonna to want to destroy yourself when you start to build yourself up. So that physical aspect, that fitness aspect, that nutritional aspect is a very important component that I think some other treatment facilities may not integrate into their program. Another aspect which I you know I really love about our program is that spiritual component. One thing when you see some clients come in, you kind of feel, you kind of see that lost look in their eyes and you kind of feel that like loss of purpose and getting them to reconnect back to that purpose is a very important part of their progress. If a person doesn't feel that hope, you know, we talk a lot about hopelessness in treatment. We talk a lot about helplessness and and purpose um, getting them connected back to the why. Why do I not want to use? You know, whenever I have a client who has relapsed or who's come back in from a, you know, a bad run, usually the first question that you ask them is what was stopping you from using? What did you build up in your life? and if they don't have an answer to that that is our progress that's what we work on is getting them connected back to that why and for a lot of people it is that piece of spirituality and really getting connected to that to that higher power that higher purpose and our program being a faith-based program is definitely you know an important thing of that because i have seen lives transform Just from that one piece, maybe they've been to other treatment facilities in the past and um, they didn't get that. But coming in here and feeling connected, feeling like part of the community, getting reconnected back to their spirituality, getting reconnected back to God has been that one piece that has really helped them in that purpose component and finding that why. Because a lot of times we, we attach external things, you know, my family member, my child, my job, my this, and and that may get you in the door, but what keeps you clean long term? Because all of those things can fade, you know, you can lose your, your job tomorrow, and are you going to say that the only reason you're going to stay clean is for something that may not be there tomorrow? But when you connect them with something that is not going to be lost, and that, that God component which will walk through with them even in their darkest moments and never goes away, it really gives them something tangible long term to rebuild that, that lack of hope that they may have um, created just in their, their journey in the past.
1: That's so good. It's so good. Um, you know, hearing, you know, you speak to, to the different elements of, of our program and, you know, hitting on the, the spirituality that we are, as, as far as I know, the only Christian faith-based clinical medical program in the Atlanta, Atlanta area. I mean, that was the game changer for me. I mean, I remember being out on the West Coast and having gone through multiple treatment centers. And, and here's, here's the reality is, is that, you know, a lot of times people will show up and they're saying, you know, all these other treatment centers didn't work. I really hope this one works. Now, the truth is, is that I could have gotten clean in any of those other treatment centers. All of the essentials were there. You know, that gave me the tools necessary. I just was either you know, too immature or too prideful or whatever it was to be able to pl- apply those things that I learned. But I do remember, and the reason that, you know, that we have and that we've, you've, we've built this program around Jesus and have created a, you know, a Christian program is because of the impact that that had in my life and to understand that there is this God who made me and who loves me and that who has a plan for everybody's life that comes through those doors and to be able to speak from that place. I mean, it's a game changer. I mean, as we start to understand our identity and, you know, all of those, all of those pieces that, you know, really can as people walk through that process, you know, that they understand that, you know, oh my gosh, that, you know, I'm not a second-class citizen, that God can still do everything that He wanted to initially and even more above and beyond their wildest dreams— um, but also, too, I think that, you know, you 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 hit and, you know, really that kind of in step, step two of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, you know, that we came to believe, you know, talking about this process. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And there's this whole process of, you know, maybe somebody came in and they're mad at God. You know, God had, you know, didn't save their friend from an overdose, you know, or God didn't save their friend from you know drinking and driving or whatever it might be and and they're frustrated with God in that in in that moment and you know I love just the the process of of watching somebody and walking with somebody to a place where they realize that even though God may not have intervened in the way that they wanted him to that he's still good and that he's still faithful and he is is trustworthy enough that they can build their foundation on him and um, you know another part of this, you know, this whole process, and, and I think that you are one of the best that I've ever seen in action in your ability to be able to deliver hard truths to people who really need to be able to um, to hear it. And but you do it in such a way that is not um, abrasive or confrontational. I mean, I really kind of look on you with with envy a lot of times in the way that you can can deal with people because the truth is is that when people believe lies and they. And they think that, you know, this, this really is how, how it is, but to be able to serve up truth, you know, in a way to say, you know what, like that, that belief system that you have right there, or that area where, where you are, you know, have this firm grip on, like you've got to be able to release that so that you can know real freedom. And if if you could now maybe share with us some of the success stories that you've seen, um, over, over your career.
0: Yes. Um, really with success i think that some of the things that i have seen in my career specifically are clients who again you know we get them at some of their lowest moments and A lot of times they've lost their sense of who they are. You know, they come in and, you know, you ask them, like, who are you? What, like, what is your story? And most of the stories are all related to drugs, are all related to their past use, their relapse. And, you know, the things that they did when they were in active addiction. And getting that story changer, that when you leave a treatment facility and you know who you are, um, I've had clients who have come back and now they have about two years clean, three years clean, and they come back to me and they say, and they're able to tell me how they've been helping people and how that connection back to who they were and what their purpose was and, um was that game changer for them like you said earlier you can get clean in any situation you know I've known people who have gotten clean in some of the worst neighborhoods living in houses where people are using and it's it's all about like who was there how you were able to walk through that moment right and and finding those moments even in situations in which you have to pull internally so, having someone come back in two years and saying like hey I was able to continue to see who I was continue to apply some of those skills uh, continue to apply some of those mindset change like you said those belief systems you know a lot of things that we use in therapy is is behavioral modification changing those belief systems in order to make different changes on the other side so going into it and saying like, Okay, I have this belief that I'm not worth recovery. I have this belief that I'm not worth this change. I'm not worth the love for my parents or from my wife or from my children. And being able to change that to say, like, I am worthy just where I stand, just with what I bring to the table, and translating that into their actions, translating that into saying, because I'm worthy. I'm going to stay clean. Because I'm worthy, I'm going to continue to work on my spirituality component. I'm going to continue to work on my physical health. I'm going to continue to challenge myself, even in those moments to where life doesn't seem that great. You know, one of the things that I tell my clients is like, life is not going to stop happening just because you've removed drugs and alcohol from your life. Life isn't going to stop happening. You're going to have death that happens. You're going to have job losses. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have relationship problems. Life is going to continue to happen. And it's not about shying away from those moments, but it's learning how to react to those differently. And when you change your belief systems around your inner resiliency and your inner ability to react to those in a more positive way, that's where the change happens. And that's where you get that long-term sustained recovery, because you know that you have the power to manage situations and handle situations. So people who come back and they have two years, three years, five years clean, they're not telling me, you know, just fairy tales of how life just was all of a sudden is roses and life just was wonderful. They're telling me I was able to walk through those moments and I learned how to help other people walk through those moments. And I've built a community, I've built a support system, and I've built myself up to be able to say I can handle whatever gets thrown my way, whether that's through my own resiliency, my spirituality, all of these community aspects that I have in peace, I'm able to manage and stand in front of you today without resorting to drugs and alcohol as a solution.
1: That's powerful. It really is. I mean, to be able to deal with life and, and so many of the people that you know, are really just about all of the people that come through those doors that use alcohol or drugs as an escape to not have to deal with life and to be able to give them the skill sets and the tools necessary to, to be able to walk through it and to say that, yeah, I went through some really hard stuff, but we made it. And just a, um, a testimony of what we try to build into the fabric of, of our clients so that they understand that whenever you get out of here, that life isn't going to stop, but that you're going to have everything necessary, the strength necessary to be able to walk through it. And I think another, another really important part of that piece is is that, that most people are, are looking for the easier, softer way, or they're looking to circumvent the process. You know, you find somebody who's still barely hanging on to their job, they're used to succeeding, or they're used to, or they, or they absolutely just abhor the idea of somebody, you know, telling them what to do or speaking into their life. And you know what, what, what I've found and what I've seen is, is that, um, you know, the the easier, softer way, if you will, is is to submit to the process. Like that, that there is no easier, softer way, and that there has to be uh, this this period of being reprogrammed and to understand that. Yeah, you know. W- even though you may have a grid for what integrity looks like, you may have a grid or even at one point you were raised in a good family or at one point in your life maybe you you, you operated according to really solid life principles. But the truth is is that in addiction it changes the way that people negotiate life. I mean, what is that? You know, you're you're talking to the the parent or you're talking to the spouse of somebody or you're talking to the the addict themselves that are just saying, hey, I want to just keep my job and I want to try to manage this thing from home. Talk to us about that process and how important it is.
0: I like what you said, like a lot of times they try to connect to like the easy way out. And um, I think some of the first sessions I usually have with a client or or family is like that negotiation uh, session. And, you know, being the product of of two lawyers in my family, I've navigated that negotiation session pretty well. I'm used to dealing with that. So uh, it's always an interesting uh, first session where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this recovery thing, but I'm going to still do this. I'm going to still do that. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to keep talking to that toxic ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep, you know, going to hang out in the same place. Or or maybe I'm just not going to do pills anymore, but I'm going to drink occasionally on the weekend. You know, there's those things that they always bring to the table because letting go is usually one of the hardest parts. You know, we talked a lot about like that mindset and that belief system. And it's hard to let go of something that you've ingrained to and become so close to. Um, so that negotiation step in that beginning of saying, you know, I get it, I, you, it's hard to let this go, but what purpose has that served you in the past, right? What purpose has holding on to this negative thing served you in the past? And it's really not giving them that that resistance in the beginning, but it's more navigating them to, to recognize their own process and how these things have held them back, And not to say that forever you're going to have to never work again or never, you know, be in a relationship again. But it's like I need to learn how to work on myself and navigate with myself before I can even integrate these other things back into my life. So when I talk to families and I talk to clients and I talk to loved ones, I always tell them you have to let them go through this process. A lot of times we try to, you know, save people from their bottoms or save people from experiencing pain. We want to, you know gather around the person that is struggling and, and do it for them. And reality is, is we can't do it for them. As much as, you know, you love your daughter, you love your son, you love your husband, your wife, you will never be able to walk through that process for them. They have to invest in their own progress. And one thing that you can do is support them from, you know, family sessions, support them from gathering them around and and letting them know, empowering them to make those changes. Um, And sometimes that is difficult conversations that you may have to have with them, whether it's, you know, you're going to have to let go of that job that has enabled you to drink every day and come into work and it enables that part of you, or you're going to have to let go of that apartment that you isolate at, and you're going to have to move into a, a different environment that supports recovery. And, that's the role that a lot of times family members have to play that maybe they have stepped back from because they don't want to trigger them or they don't want to push them too much. And sometimes those pushes are the things that push them in the right direction, um, so it's really just saying, okay, let me help you recognize the things that are in your life right now that just aren't working. And that's the role as the clinician, the therapist, and also sometimes the role as the family as well is engaging them into that process, inviting them into that therapeutic process so that once they do reenter back into the community and once they do re-enter into those other parts of their life, they can now be held accountable because they're aware. But it's really just important to allow the person that's struggling to go through their process and not try to cushion it too much and give them that easy way out of like, okay, you know, I'm going to help you, but I'll still do this. Like, you have to recognize where that person is and what they need to get long-term recovery, and usually that is you know, filling in power, that's recognizing the things that aren't working and learning how to integrate things that are helpful, whether that's through, you know, belief system, behavioral changes, the spiritual component, but they're only going to learn that by going through their own process and figuring it out and using those skills in real life situations.
1: That is so good. I, I think that you hit on so much and just a, a reminder to all of us of that there is a a a price to pay whenever you come in You're gonna have to make hard decisions. You're gonna have to let go of a lot of these things. And you know, something that gets said around good landing a lot is that you either pay now or you pay later, and to to let those things go so that you can know real freedom. And though it might be uncomfortable, the reality is, is that the addict and the family cannot afford not to make the investment. And we want to look at the you know, the least invasive approach to make sure that you know people understand that they're in a life-giving atmosphere that they're not a second-class citizen however to come into a, a season and to be undistracted and give themselves to a new way of life and to have time to to spend spend time with Mary or one of our other therapists I, I believe it's, it's just critical I mean just even listening to her talk now and why any time that I get to sit with Mary that I realize how how valuable that time is and, and when you're around people that have been trained and they have a real gift to be able to speak into to somebody's life. She is an LCSW, so as far as a therapist, that is high as you can go within the field of, of mental health and to, to have resources like that to make sure that, you know, anybody that is going to handle your loved one's life, uh, that they Uh, really understand, um, the best approaches to, to be able to reach somebody and to bring out the best. Um, you also have a beautiful daughter, Sydney. What's she doing today?
0: (laughs) Yeah, she is uh, recovering from her Broadway show last night that she was in. Um, she was in Hamilton, so she is very ecstatic about that. Um, my my pride enjoyed there.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to get her back up to the office. She's incredible. She was in in Hamilton last night?
0: Yes, the the rendition of Hamilton.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure to have you on this morning and I look forward to doing it again very soon. Uh, just to um, you know, hear your insight into uh, to this field and to have you a part of our team, I do not take it for granted. So thank you for being here today.
0: Thank you for having me and for letting me continue to work and uh, serve this community and really see some changes.
1: It's awesome. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call It's 770-570-7422.